Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Empowered Word of Faith podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Evangelist Alfreda Lockett Evans, and I'm from Full Gospel Holy Temple Church in Dallas, Texas. Tonight's topic is a study of the judges of the Bible. This is part one of a three-part series, and it goes from Athniel through Gibeon. We'll begin with the introduction. In the book of Judges and 1 Samuel, we find the history of Israel during the lives and times of 15 judges. These books of the Bible record the relapses of God's chosen people into idolatry. It reflects Israel's repeated sins, apostasy, falling away from the faith, judgment from God, temporary repentance and consecration to God that only lasts as long as the leader is alive. We will see human failure. We see God's divine mercy and deliverance. And we see the power of prayer when God's people sincerely cry out to him. The time of the judges was about 450 years, starting after the death of Joshua and continuing until the end of Samuel's time. Some of the stories of the 15 judges are long and detailed, while some have only a few statements that are shared. Eight of the judges, Athniel, Ehud, Deborah, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Eli, and Samuel are considered significant or prominent judges. In contrast, seven of the judges, which are Shamgar, Abimelech, Tola, Jer, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon are deemed minor. Barak is listed as a judge by some sources since he was associated with Deborah. However, the Bible refers to him as a mighty military leader. It never says that he was a judge. Therefore, some sources would state that there are 15 judges, while others will include Barak and cause the count to be 16. This podcast recognizes 15 judges. The judges appear in the Bible in this order. Number one, Athniel. Number two, Ehud. Number three, Shamgar. Number four, Deborah. Number five, Gideon. Number six, Abimelech. Number seven, Tolar. Number eight, Jair. Number nine, Jephthah. Number 10, Ibzan. Number 11, Elon. Number 12, Abdon. Number 13, Samson, number 14, Eli, and the final judge, number 15, was Samuel. We're going to talk about the first servitude. After the death of Joshua and all of his generation, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. That's found in Judges 2 and 10. 
The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forsook God. They followed the gods of the people around them and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and this provoked God to anger. And so God sold the Israelites into the hands of Cushanrithathame, king of Mesopotamia, whom they were forced to serve for eight years. They cried unto the Lord sincerely, and God raised the first judge as a deliverer. Othniel, the first judge, is found Judges 2 and 9 through 11. Othniel was the son of Kenaz, the younger brother of Caleb, and was from the tribe of Judah. He was given the daughter of Caleb, Oxerah, as his wife when he conquered the city of Deber and drove out the Canaanites. God's spirit came upon Othniel and he went to war against Mesopotamia. Othniel overcame Cushanrithathame and the people enjoyed peace in the land for 40 years. The Outcome God chose Othniel because he was a man who was not afraid of a challenge. When Othniel drove out the Canaanites, he proved his worthiness as a leader, making him someone God could use as a deliverer for Israel. The people discovered that repentance and crying out to God brought deliverance. The Second Servitude After Othniel's death, Israel returned to their old ways of doing evil in the sight of the Lord, angering God, and causing God to send them into servitude again. God raised Eglon, the king of Moab, against the children of Israel, and they were forced to serve him for 18 years. But they cried unto God for deliverance, and God raised the second judge, Ehud. Ehud, the second judge, Judges 3 and 15 through 30. Ehud, the son of Gera, was a left-handed Benjaminite. God allowed him to single-handedly deliver the Israelites from the Moabites using his left-handed status. Strapping a 16-inch sword to his right thigh, hidden under his clothes, he visited Eglon, king of Moab, presumably to pay the required tributes for Israel. Intimating that he had a message for Eglon, he was allowed to have a secret meeting with him. But while he was alone with the king, he stuck his sword into Eglon's belly and he escaped. With his mission of success, he sounded the shofar, a ram's horn, and rallied the Israelites. They killed about 10,000 men, freeing the Israelites from Moabite oppression. As a result of this great success, the Israelites enjoyed 80 years of peace. The Outcome God changed the history of an entire generation using one left-handed man. Ehud showed great faith in God and calmness of spirit when he defeated a king, escaped the palace, and defeated his oppressors. Repenting to God and crying out to him wrought an 80-year peace for the entire nation. And so now we're at the third servitude. Israel went into captivity to the Philistines when they fell into sin again. God, who is consistent, 
allowed them to go into servitude to the Philistines. Shamgar, the third judge, is found in Judges 3 and 31. The Bible next mentions Shamgar, the son of Anath, as the deliverer of Israel when he single-handedly killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, which is a wooden tool about eight feet long with an iron spike on one end. The ox goad was used to spur oxen as they pulled a cart or plow. It was an apparent miracle that so many men could be killed with its use. The outcome. No mention is made in the Bible of how long the people had peace after deliverance by Shamgar. And now we're at the fourth servitude. Following the death of Shamgar, the people fell into sin and God sold them into servitude to Jabin, the king of Canaan, where they remained for 20 years. And then God raised Deborah as a judge. Deborah, the fourth judge, is found in Judges 4 and 4 through 5 and 31. Deborah, the only female judge in the Bible, was a prophetess and a wife married to Lapidoth. She contacted Barak and informed him that God had called him to gather 10,000 men to fight against Jabin's army, promising that God would make him victorious. Now, Barak was willing to do as he was directed, but listen, only if Deborah accompanied him, which she did. As a result of his lack of faith, the victory for the battle was given into the hands of a woman, Jael, who was the wife of Heber. The Outcome Barak's army defeated Jabin's Canaanite army, but Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, escaped on foot into the tent of Jael. Jael covered Sisera with a mantle and lulled him to sleep with warm milk. She then took a nail from the tent and hammered it into the temple of Sisera, causing his death. Following the death of Sisera, the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin until they destroyed him. The land then had rest for 40 years. And now we come to the fifth servitude. Following their usual pattern, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he gave them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites caused the Israelites to hide in caves and dens, and they robbed them of their new crops, and they took their stock. But the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and God raised Gideon as a deliverer. Gideon, who's also called Jerubbabel, the fifth judge, is found Judges 6 and 11 through 8 and 3. Gideon was a military leader. He was a judge and prophet. He was the son of Joash from the Abizrite clan in the tribe of Manasseh. He lived in Ophrah. The growth and development of Gideon from an ordinary man, fearful of his enemies, to a man strong in valor and faith is remarkable. God's development of him from a weakling to a man of strength and power proves that God can use anyone 
to accomplish his goals. Let's hear his story. An angel appeared unto Gideon while secretly threshing wheat by the winepress and addressed him as a man of valor. Of course, Gideon looked nothing like a man of courage at this point. He was full of questions, wondering why his people were going through such distress when God had been so good in the past. The answer, of course, was that the people had sinned and left God, not that God had forsaken them. God was simply keeping his word, having previously warned them of the bad things that would happen if they rejected him. In response to Gideon's many questions, God spoke to him and told him that he would be the deliverer of Israel. Gideon was humble before the Lord, unable to accept that God could use him in such a manner. He even needed a sign to prove that the Lord spoke to him. Reassuring Gideon that he had indeed called him to be the deliverer, he responded to Gideon's doubts by giving him four separate signs. Number one, he miraculously consumed food that was prepared by Gideon when the angel allowed the fire to come out of a rock, as found in verse 21. Number two, He allowed dew to appear on the fleece only and not on the floor where the fleece lay when requested by Gideon. That's found in verses 37 and 38. Number three, he allowed dew to appear on the floor, but not on the fleece as requested by Gideon. And that's in verses 39 through 40. And number four, he allowed a member of the host of Midian to recount a dream of a cake of barley bread rolling into the midst of Midian's camp. The dreamer said that Gideon and his army had overcome the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the children of the east. Hearing this dream reassured Gideon that God was with him. That's chapter 7, verses 9 through 15. Once called, God tested Gideon when he directed him to perform an assignment. He told him to destroy the altar of Baal, which his father had built, cut down the grove by it, build an altar to God, then offer a burnt sacrifice of the second bullock using the wood from the grove he cut down. Bear in mind that Gideon was still a fearful man at this point. He obeyed God, but he did it at night because he feared his father's house and the men of the city. The city's men were so angry the next day that they desired to kill Gideon. But Gideon's wise father reminded them that if Baal was indeed a god, he did not need them to defend him. Surely, Gideon learned from this experience that he had no need to fear anyone who would come against him because God had protected him. This faith in God was essential in light of the situations that he would encounter in the future. Gideon proved himself to be a mighty man of valor as he allowed God to develop him. He and 300 men that were hand-selected by God destroyed the Midianites. These were men of faith in God's word rather than their abilities and might. Following his victories over the Midianites, 
the country was quiet for 40 years. The outcome. Following Gideon's defeat of the Midianites, the people offered to make him king over them. But Gideon refused. He refused their request, reminding them that God was their king. Unfortunately, Gideon had one flaw in his history. He requested his slain enemy's gold earrings. He built an ephod of the earrings, which the people used in idolatrous worship. Gideon died at a good old age with 70 sons of his many wives and a son by his concubine, Abimelech. This has been part one. Part two of this series continues in the next post. May God bless you. (laughs) 